Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their insights and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, Ben Hogan Golf, Two Under, TaylorMade Golf, and Golf Pride. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. How you doing out there? Have your hands been washed and sanitized until they're raw? Are you able to take it all in stride? Well, remember, we're all in this thing together, okay? You're going to be glad to know that this show has been sanitized for your protection. And if the news cycle has got you scared to the point where you're afraid to open your front door, I hear you. I'm with you. Remember, this too shall pass. So if you'll stand or sit six feet away from the speaker, you should be all good to go for tonight's show. So let's try to put our fears and uncertainty aside for about an hour or so. Have some fun and improve your golf game a little as well. Now, I'm charged up about this week's show because I have two more of my favorite instructors with me tonight that I get to share with you. And both have local ties here to Atlanta. Now, they've both gone on to great places in other parts of the country, but fantastic places. First up with me tonight is going to be Kevin Roman. Kevin was named Teacher of the Year here in Georgia back in 2014. He's now the Director of Instruction at Monterey Peninsula Country Club in Pebble Beach, California. So we'll hear about how things are impacting them out on the West Coast. Everyone in California has been ordered to stay home. So are they? Or are people still getting out and playing at his courses and over at Pebble Beach? I'll talk to Kevin about how he's filling the gaps of not having live golf to watch on TV. So what are some of his favorite historical tournaments? I'll also get some tips for what we can do at home to practice in our backyards or in our living rooms. Plus, we'll also get some short game tips as well. Kevin will join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'll get a return visit from Keith Jarvis. Keith spent time at Heritage Golf Links here in Atlanta. He's now a lead instructor at the Golf Channel Academy up in Oakland, New Jersey. I'll talk to Keith about what's going on up there with the coronavirus and how it's impacting him and people around him up there in New Jersey, right? New York City with almost 10 million cases now in in, uh, New York City. Are they getting out and still playing, though, up in that area or are practice ranges effectively shut down? Also want to get some playing tips from him on what we can do in our houses, in our backyards, just like we'll get from Kevin Roman. Also want to get some playing tips for things like ball position and tee height with our drivers, right? That's one of the controversial things we hear about tee it high and let it fly. Well, you know, Keith has got a little different viewpoint on that. So we'll understand what uh, his thoughts are and a whole lot more when he joins me here at the bottom of the hour. So a whole lot more great stories, tips, and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Want to start off by saying hello to my friends Mitch and Matthew Lawrence. Please check out their shows. Matthew's is called Backspin Golf. It's my regular Sunday morning, 8.03 a.m. tea time. You can listen online at WLXG.com, ESPN Radio up in Lexington, Kentucky. Our good friend Perry French leads off in the first segment with Matthew every week. Perry shares a lot of great content and instruction with the listeners over there, just like he did when he was here a few weeks ago. And Matthew's a fantastic host. He makes the show so much fun. Listen online at WLXG.com or download the WLXG app. 
Mitch's show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and you can stream it online at golftripx.com, and that's a letter X, so golftripx.com. It's also available on Audioboom, Stitcher, and Player.fm as well. Mitch and his co-host, Darren Bunch, they take you around the U.S. and Canada to some of the great places that you can go stay and play. They also let you know about some of the hidden gem courses that you might not be aware of. So go online to golftripx.com and check out their podcast. Folks, please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to bobbyjones.com. They've got their new spring collection out right now, and their new spring sweaters, polos, and pants are all fantastic. And you're going to see Steve Tricker, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els wearing them out on the Champions Tour. Go online to bobbyjones.com and enter the coupon code on the T to save 20% at checkout. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and TaylorMade Sim, featuring the new Sim driver designed with a radical new head shape to make the driver both fast and forgiving where you need it most on the downswing. And Sim irons with an improved speed bridge and echo dampening system deliver a distance iron with forge-like feel. And the Sim fairway woods with low CG to help you hit it higher and a new V-steel sole to launch it easier from any lie. Go get fit for Sim throughout your entire bag and experience the effect it's going to have on your entire game. Check it out online at tailormadegolf.com for more information on the all-new Sim family. All right, now back with me here on Next on the Tee is Kevin Roman. Let me remind you about Kevin's background. He was a golf pro at Cherokee Town and Country Club here in Atlanta for several years. Cherokee is one of the most prestigious courses in the city. He's now the director of instruction at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, which includes two beautiful courses, the Dunes and the Shore Course. Besides being one of the top instructors in the country, Kevin's a great player. He's played on a couple of majors so far over the course of his career, the 1993 U.S. Open at Baltusrol and the 2009 PGA Championship at Hazeltine. While he was here in Georgia, he was named the PGA Teacher of the Year in 2014, and I'm very honored to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Kevin, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, my friend? How are you doing, Chris? Thank you for having me. So, Kevin, I, I got to get your get your thoughts on, on all the craziness we've got going on around the country with the coronavirus. I know everybody out in California has been ordered to stay home. What's it like out there for you guys? Yeah, we've been home for a week now. Um, so, a lot of reading, a lot of watching TV. Um, fortunately, I live close to the, the ocean there, so We'll take a couple drives down around in a, in a golf cart, uh, and I'll do some bicycle rides. But other than that, it's it's pretty quiet around here. Most of the people are pretty good and they're staying home, and you get a few sightseers, but they don't get out of their car and they're keeping their distance. So, pretty good. How about your course, Monterey Con- uh, Peninsula Country Club? You seeing people still out there playing, or is that is everything effectively shut down? No, we're we're all shut down. We shut down last a week ago, like uh, Tuesday. Um, I know a couple other clubs in Pebble Beach area. Pebble Beach kept some open, um, but the Monterey Health Department actually made them quiet down on that. So really right now, nothing going on in the area. And I was talking to uh, another one of the top instructors in our game, Tom Patry, last week about this. And I, and I feel horrible for you guys, you know, the PGA and LPGA professionals, because with everything, everything being shut down, everyone staying at home, that's certainly impacting you guys from a lessons perspective. You know, are you are you shifting to more? Are you doing any video instruction, or how are you keeping things going with your students and uh, and you know for your uh, for your uh, practice team? Yeah, um, you know everybody's in it. They all have the same deal. Everybody's losing 
income and having hard times, fortunately, you know, Monterey takes care of us very well. So the members are here are awesome. Um, you know, we look to get back out there. What I'm doing around the club right now is, you know, a few times a week, I'm doing a week, uh, a video golf tip for them or a written article or something like that. I'm actually going to delve into your world, the podcaster possibility, and uh, get a couple other instructor friends of mine to maybe do a podcast for us to send to our members also during this time. But, you know, it's really quiet. I'm, I'm doing video lessons from them. We have an academy set up uh, at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, so members can send me videos in. And, you know, this time of thing, and I'm doing them all complimentary for our members, to be honest with you. Um, if they want to do a FaceTime lesson, um, I can do that. But as far as if they want to just send some stuff to me, uh, I can give them some tips and all that. You know, it's, I'm here for them. So, Kevin, since we don't have any live golf tournaments uh, to watch, are, are you watching any of the historical ones? Are you going out on the Golf Channel or On Demand or ESPN Classic to check out any of the uh, you know previous golf tournaments to kind of fill the gap? Oh, definitely. Uh, I kind of go down the YouTube rabbit hole, as we call it here. I actually had the Masters on a little while ago, Masters from 07. I'll watch that for a little while, then I'll see what comes on underneath it and you never know where it's going to take me. So I've been everywhere from the British Open to the Masters to the Players' Championship. So shows wonderful world of golf. I love watching those, too. What are some of your favorite around, historical tournaments? You know, the ones I really like, you know, you could say 97 when Tiger won the Masters by, I don't even know what it was, 12 or 15 when he set the course record. Or, but that was something that was pretty special to be able to see. Uh, his U.S. Open at Pebble Beach was incredible what he did there compared to the rest of the field. I, I'm always a big player championship fan. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite courses, if not my favorite course, if I had to play one, just because of the beauty of it with all the shot values. And it doesn't really favor one player over the other, so there's always a lot of excitement in that tournament. So have you gotten to play it? I played it once. Yeah, and I had a, a blast. I, I just wish I could get back there more often, and I've had a couple chances, just haven't done it yet, but yeah, that's that's on top of my list. So that begs the question, how to go on 17? Oh, I got it on the green. I can't remember if I two-putted, made it, or three-putted, to be honest with you. But I know I hit it on the green. So that, <laughs> it's a big so, green, you know. I mean, under pressure, the players have problems, maybe. Uh, it's just a wedge shot for them. But it gets in your head under the pressure of the final round or any round of golf for that in tournament competition. But when it's practice rounds, they have no problem at all. So you stepped up, no big deal, just knocked it right on the green? Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> for you. So, Kevin, I want to get some playing tips for our listeners tonight from you. And, and you know, for those of us that are stuck inside the house for a while, like you guys out in California, what are some drills or some things that we can do to keep our games intact, whether we can do it in our backyards or right in our own living room? Yeah, I mean, I honestly... And I've talked to a few of my students and you know, our members, and I think not being able to go out and just hit randomly uh, hit a lot of golf balls and not do anything correctly all the time, that this practice time we have now is just a lot easier for them to really make changes or improvements. Uh, most of the time, too many people become results-oriented when they're trying to make a change or improve something. And when they see a golf ball fly awry, all of a sudden, the next swing, subconsciously, they're going to try something a little different a lot of times. 
So usually by the end of a practice session, most people have gone through a whole bunch of swing thoughts and gotten away from the one which they were there to accomplish. So I'm big into, um, from a full swing standpoint, if you can have some mirrors or you have a window at your house that you can kind of get a reflection off of, then you can really look at your setup. Um, I know that personally me, I tend to set up a little bit leaning to the left. So I have a mirror actually in our walk-in closet here. I'll have a time when I got a little putting mat here. So I'll look at that and watch how my putting setup is. So after a couple of times doing that, a couple of days, I look up and it's like, boy, that was easy to get in that position. Whereas when you're on a putting green and you're trying to make putts, it's easy to kind of get off. So I would spend some time looking at your setup on the in the window. You can even look at your backswing position, you know, make sure you, if you're trying to be more uh, upright or more flat, see where you actually are. Because most of the time, where we think we are, we are not. And that's where um, the hitting balls is just so difficult for people to improve in the sense what they feel they're doing, they actually aren't. Whereas you have to make slow swings indoors, uh, slow swings with a mirror. You can really learn those feels and you can see that you're doing it correctly. Um, when you can see what you're doing, it's just it's so much easier to learn. Uh, there's a couple of things that people could get. A live view golf is one. Um, it's a little camera that you can set up behind you. Or a new one that just came on the market, and it's only like $26 a year for people. It's called uh, Mirror Vision. It's an app that you can connect your iPhones and an a, uh, iPad together. You can draw lines on it. So if you're trying to put the club in a different position or you want to see the shaft plane, you can draw the lines on it and watch it in real time as you're swinging, which I think is probably the best thing anybody can do for their game. So, Kevin, I want to get your thought because one of the things that I've always wondered about is, you know, we you see these big hitting nets, right? You can you can put a tee or an artificial uh-huh. surface down on your patio and then you uh-huh. can hit it into a net in front of you. And and I'm curious, do you think that those work? I, I'm always afraid that I'm going to ingrain since I can't see the ball flight more than you know a few feet, you know, off the off the face of the club. That I'm going to ingrain something since I can't see. It. Did I slice that one? Did I hook that one? Because it just slams right in front. And you know, without the the video monitors, you know, that we have at PGA Tour Superstore and places like that, I, I, I'm not sure. Is that is that a good thing to use or a bad thing to use? That's a great question because I can say. I've had people both ways. When I was living in New York, they used to practice in the winter and they come out in the spring and the ball's flying everywhere. And they're like, I never did that in my life. Um, so feedback is important. Um, the good thing about the nets are, one, flexibility, and keeping your swing loose and going through it, I think is probably outweighs the benefit of the negativity of the net. Um, I would have no problem for someone just to go out even if you're not trying to change your swing, just hit some balls every day. And this way, when we do get back out there, you're going to be loose and you won't lose the flexibility. Uh, you won't lose your club head speed. You won't lose your feel for the club, like coming out of winter, like it used to be in New York. You mentioned flexibility, Kevin. What what can we be doing, you know, since we are stuck in our homes and if, if we're not going to be hitting into a net or, you know, videotaping ourselves or, you know, practice putting, that sort of thing. Is, is there a is there a flexibility exercise that you like to see your students do 
you know, whether it's at home as a normal routine or prior to, you know, going out and playing around the golf, what can we do to kind of stay limber? I think that is probably the most important thing for anybody's golf game. Um, I know when we're younger, uh, it's not as important because we're somewhat flexible, but as we age, we lose that. Myself, I feel it now as I'm getting up there. Uh, a couple of things that I would want people to do if they have access to a foam roller. Um, it's a good way to kind of keep the body loose. You roll down over the muscles. It breaks down the fascia so you don't get any adhesions in there. Um, they also have like the little massage guns. Same principle. Just keeps the um, tissue supple so you don't lose it. Because a lot of times what happens is you get bound up in different spots. And it pulls on others. And that's where you lose that range of motion. Um, also, you can go on the YouTube. And I know Roger Fredericks has a lot of stuff about flexibility. They've got some, uh, Catherine Roberts had uh, yoga for golfers. It's phenomenal. Uh, anything that you can do to just keep moving and make sure you cover all body parts. Um, I always start my students with the ankles. If you were to sit there in a chair and put your fist between your knees and kind of hold it there and then just roll your ankles back and forth. So many people have very, very poor flexibility in their ankles, which if you can't move and you're stuck, it just retards the turn to come back and, and a lot. So I always start from the ankles and just work right up the body, up to the shoulders and to the neck. Um, just a couple minutes on each segment, keep it going. And then when we get out of this situation, we're going to be all set to, to go without getting hurt. So Kevin, I want to get out on the, on the golf course a little bit for, for some more tips. And we talk a lot about the short game here on this show and, uh-huh. And uh want to talk about if on the shots where we come up just short of the green, whether it's, you know, short, a little left, a little right, maybe 10, 15 feet off the green. And, and we find ourselves with a tight lie. There, there are several options on how to hit that shot. We could putt it. We could chip it. We could use a hybrid to bump and run it. But for those of us like me that are mid to upper handicappers out there, what do you teach your students to do for shot selection when you're just that far off the green? Yeah, I always use to tell them they want one shot to get on the green. So whatever you feel like you can successfully get on the shot on the green of one shot, that's the shot you'll use. Now, as you become better, you've got more options because you'll feel comfortable playing different shots. But the main thing is people are are when you get a tight lie, they get nervous and think they got to help the ball up into the air. And one of the drills or, or demonstrations I'll do for our members is I'll just put the club on the grass behind the ball. That's a foot or two behind it and a little on the inside because we swing on a little bit of an arc. And I always say to them, can I chunk the ball from here? And they look at me like, what do you mean? Can you chunk it? No, you can't chunk it because the club's already on the ground. I said, exactly. Now, most people, when they struggle with the short game, they get the leading edge to dig into the ground. And the next ball, because of that, they, then they put the handle forward, accelerate the grip, and now they skull the golf ball across the green. But if you can learn to keep the club low on a small arc and just brush the grass, the club is going to have a wide bottom, meaning the club is going to travel very close and level with the ground for a longer period of time than if someone played the ball back, lifted the club upright, and try to swing the head up and down a little bit and chop down to get it up in the air. So I have a lot of success. There's a um, swing arc by the perfect putter that I use with all my lessons. 
and it's just a little stainless steel arc. Myself, even, I'll put my chip shots, I'll put the ball right near the arc, and then I'll just imagine my the club head is traveling along that arc and just chip it. And it doesn't matter if it's a tight lie, it's a muddy lie, you're chipping off a of sand. It just gives you so much margin of error that it's very easy to be foolproof, to be honest with you. So do you have a, a recommendation for for which club we should be pulling out of our bag? Do you are you a hey, it's always a wedge or is it an eight iron? I think so many times I see, you know, my buddies are pulling out a sand wedge no matter where it is. Talk about shot selection and what's the best thing for, again, for those of us like me that are 10 to 20 handicappers, what should we be pulling out of our bag to hit that shot? Yeah, generally lower is safer. So you always make your putter your first option if you can putt. From there, you can go to your hybrids. Um, I think people need to be able to use a lot of different clubs. And I think if you went out to practice it, to say someone went out to practice, I would try to hit with your seven iron, with your nine iron, and say with one of your wedges. And see if you can hit one a little higher, lower, and a medium height one. So you got three different type shots that will really fine tune your feel because the safety play is keeping the ball lower to the ground. And I actually recommend for almost all my students that the 60 degree wedge is kind of a super specialty club, you know, and, and they look at me like, why, why did I get one? Well, it costs them more shots than it really helps. So, you know, using the, if you can roll it with a seven, eight iron, Ray Floyd putting with lofty called it. Um, Probably the best chipper that I've ever seen. I mean, Hubert Green was pretty good, but Ray Floyd would stand real close, get the club up on the toe so the heel's off the ground. Because if the toe hits, it opens the face and has a little bounce, so there's more forgiveness. Whereas the heel hits, the heel will make a hook. So I'll get in close. And then he used to just take it, make a little putting stroke, a little to the inside, and just bump the ball onto the green. Um, as long as that club is coming in that low and level, you have such a huge safety margin that it's just a great way to play around the greens. Kevin, you, you talk about the, you know, the, the 60 degree lob wedge. I, I see so many guys trying to hit the flop shot. We're all trying to be Phil Mickelson out there and we don't have Phil Mickelson skills to do so. So to your point, if I'm, if I'm not behind and need to get over a bunker or a hazard of some sort or other, is there a reason why I would pull my 60 degree out outside of, you know, again, just trying to get, I have to get over this hazard outside of that. What am I pulling my 60 for? You know, the 60, I always use my wedges have two different bounces. I have a higher bounce on my sand wedge and I have a low bounce on my lob wedge or a lower bounce, not low, but mid bounce. Um, I use that for downhill lies the bounce can get engaged earlier on a downhill line. So I want a little bit less bounce for that shot. Also, if I need to get it up in the air, so off a downhill line, I'm going to use my 60 and not use a lower lofted club. Also, if I get in a bunker that is very, very firm and I really can't, you know, get under the ball very easy or get much sand, I will use my 60 degree for that. Otherwise, I mean, I'll use my 56 most of the time uh, around the greens, but I practice with that one club all the time. So I'm pretty, comfortable with that club but the 60 like i said it's easier to screw up because you got to make bigger swings and the hard part about the 60 is 
the trajectory of the ball comes off the club. Uh, it come out real high one time, now you come up short. It comes off super low, and now it went too far. Whereas if you use a straighter-faced club, you're going to get a little bit more consistently in your launch angle, so you're going to be able to judge the distance a lot better. And to that point, Kevin, I, I, I think one of the things that we, again, mid-handicappers, mid-high handicappers, we, we lack confidence in that flop shot. When we do have to hit it, and we do have to get it up over the bunker and get the, get the ball up on the green, we tend to make one of two mistakes. We either decelerate because we don't, we don't believe it, right? So we're a little scared, and then we leave it, and it, we dump it in the bunker. Or we take too big of a swing because we're so afraid, and we're, we're going to make sure we don't hit it in the bunker. Then we hit it over the green, and now we're on the other side having to chip back in. Talk about confidence. How do we have confidence in what we're doing? Is it just strictly get out and try to practice that shot as, as much as you can? And that's hard to do if you're not on, you know, in and around a golf course. How can we practice that and develop that confidence? Yeah, what, what I like is we'll call the baseline. Um, make some longer swings without a lot of speed. Too many people uh, believe, especially in the short game, that they take a back, have a short back swing, and then a very aggressive follow-through or acceleration through the ball. That's when the problems start to happen around the green. Very rarely, if someone takes it back farther, do they actually, I don't see many people decelerate as much as people think. I mean, they may, may be afraid of it and not commit to letting the head go, but most people I see around the green that struggle tend to take it back too short and then over-accelerate the grip. So I would go out and say, practice making at least a golf swing that's about Left arm gets about parallel with the ground. And then from there, feel like the club head beats your hands to the ball. Um, the only way you're going to have really a lot of trouble is if the handle starts trying to get out in front. And that's what most people have been told. Ball back, handle forward, and, and that gets into a lot of issues. Um, so anytime you can play the short game, I'm a big advocate, no matter which shot around the green pretty much, of letting the head feel like the head is winning the race to the golf ball. Kevin, before I let you go, I got to ask you the story because uh, one of my oh. favorite pictures of you is you standing right near the bridge to walk over to the 12th green at, at Augusta National. So yeah. clearly, you you played the golf course. So you got to yeah. let us know what was that like. You know, it's, it's pretty neat. And uh, like I said, I've been fortunate to play in a few tour events. So when you go to the Masters, and I actually have one on TV as we're talking here, and you see all the people, and you see some of the grandstands, and then you go later, and it's all taken away. It's just a very peaceful, surreal place compared to tournament time. Um, you know, it's a lot bigger than it looks in tournament time uh, because people, you know, congested and make it look a little bit smaller. Um, it plays a lot longer. You'll notice some people in the um, the winter, I should say, or early spring before the Masters, they're like, they'll go play practice rounds, but the course won't play anything like it does for the tour events. Uh, when it gets warmer, it gets a little firmer. Uh, you played in, I played in December. It was 40, maybe 45 degrees, and the wind's blowing about 20, so the ball didn't go anywhere. And the course just played massively long. Uh, I went to play the members tees with their, the member there, and they sent me back to the tournament tees. 
So that was a, a lot of drivers and a lot of three woods in the par fours out there. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you had a lot of wind, what did you pull on twelve? I mean, you know that we hear so much about how tricky the winds are and trying to figure out and negotiate those uh for the uh for the masters and trying to get that shot on the green. What'd you pull out, what'd you hit? I had seven iron on there. It was a little bit in. But the thing is when you know, they'll say it's swirling around and all that. If you hit it low or or very slight it down a lot, it shouldn't get too high. Um and the problem with that hole is the average person if if they could ever get back to see that green, they would be shocked at how narrow it is from front to back. I mean it's literally eight or nine paces deep. So if you hit your ball eight or nine uh yards away from your target, you're gonna you're gonna struggle a little bit with that hole. Well, Kevin, before I let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether they're following you online or it's on social media? Yeah, no, I go on uh, Twitter, I'm Kevin Roman Golf, uh, and Facebook, I just, I'm not on, on there from a golf standpoint, and I'll do the same thing on Instagram. Um, Twitter right now, I read the book, Rory, read Digital Minimalism, and they talked about just kind of quieting it down for a month. So right now my Twitter's turned off uh, just to try to get away from everything for this month, especially with all the stuff that's going on. I would probably be on it all day long anyway. So it's actually a good month to have it off so I can kind of <laughs> relax. <laughs> you know, and my email, easy one is kroman at pga.com. So anybody has any questions or something you can send up and I'll, I'll answer back. I don't have any problem helping anybody who needs help. Well, Kevin, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to come back and be a part of the show. Always a lot of fun spending some time with you, and and the tips are absolutely outstanding. Thank you for being here. I hope you'll come back and join me again soon. Oh, best show. I love being on your show, Chris. And, you know, take care of all my old friends back there in Atlanta. I know kind of getting a little crazy there now, too, but we're so sheltered in that it's a little different. (laughs) No doubt. I appreciate you, Kevin. Take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. You too. Stay safe. You too. Thank you, Kevin. That's Kevin Roman and, uh, you know, Monterey Peninsula Country Club out there. It's beautiful right up there, you know, in Pebble Beach, right near the, the Pebble Beach Golf Course. What they've got out there is an incredible setup. I'm sure it's killing them not to get able to get out there right now. And, and uh, you know, because everyone's got to be safe and that's the right thing to do and shelter in and all of that. So certainly understand it. But uh, beautiful place out there. Kevin's a great guy and a great instructor. Be sure to check him out uh, on social media, particularly when he gets back on Twitter, you know, hopefully here in a couple of weeks. All right, before I get to my next guest, Keith Jarvis, I want to remind you, this show is uh, sponsored by, and this segment is sponsored by, our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on Next on the T is PGA professional Keith Jarvis. Keith has been a, a teaching pro, and you, you combine that with his playing career, spans almost 30 years. He's taught here in the U.S., plus over in Japan and Mexico. He was the lead instructor for ESPN's golf schools back in 2006 when Hank Caney was the dean of instruction. He's taken lessons from from Hank and also attended his teach the teacher sessions. Keith hosted a golf school here in Atlanta with Andy Plummer and Mike Bennett, who are the founders 
of the stack and tilt swing. He was the head golf pro and director of instruction at the Heritage Golf Links here in Atlanta. He is now a Golf Channel Academy lead instructor up in Oakland, New Jersey. He's also a certified U.S. kids coach, and I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Keith, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris, doing well. How are you? I'm fantastic, thank you. How are things up there in New Jersey? I know it's one of the hardest hit areas right now with the coronavirus. New York City, it's everywhere, and I'm sure they're in New Jersey. How are you guys holding up? It's getting pretty crazy up here. We've been on lockdown up here for about a week and a half just at our personal house. But, um, you know, New York has the third highest rate of cases worldwide. So um, pretty scary there, I imagine. How are you guys so, doing uh, in the I'm ACL? Yeah, same. You know, we're we're just starting to get in that same sort of situation. Atlanta mayor telling everybody to to be on lockdown, you know, outside of essential services. So we're we're starting to creep up that way. So some scary times for all of us. I'm I'm yeah. curious to get your thoughts, Keith. I mean, what are you doing? How you how you you know kind of entertaining yourselves and your family? What's going on? What's day to day like right now? Well, you know, we had, uh, I think, last weekend when it kind of all started to kick off, uh, we ran down to the store and bought a bunch of old board games that probably hadn't played since we were kids. So we had family night board games, and um, we had um, um, some takeout, uh, some delivery food in, and we played, uh, what the heck did we play? <laughs> we played so many games that night, I can't even hardly remember. Oh, no. We had Clue. We had some other game where it was called where you pick uh like you pick the question and everybody has six cards and they have a response and whoever gets the best response from whoever the judge is wins the match. We just played all kinds of things and you know, we've been watching a lot of movies on uh on demand Netflix and um you know, made a bunch of food today. Um some some uh Insta Instapot is the most wonderful thing for any guy <laughs> right? to ever cook with in the history of the world. I mean, I made this incredible, like, shredded, shredded salsa chicken today in seven minutes. You put it in there, wow. you put a little salt in there, a little chili powder, and then you pour a cup of salsa on it, cook it for seven minutes, and then you just grab two forks and shred it all, and, and it was incredible. Instapot is wow. my go-to thing. Made a little uh, vegetarian bolognese with some uh, some. Um, oh, uh, now you're talking. Yeah, yeah, right. So got some veggie Italian sausage, and then got the you know the little zoodles that we have this little machine where you stick a a a, squ a squash in there, summer squash, and you just turn it around, and shreds it all into noodles. I tell you, we're just like I'm just cooking and uh, talking to a lot of friends that I hadn't talked to in a while. Um. You know, we're trying to figure out what to do. I think tomorrow we're going to do an Instagram live and answer questions for a few hours on, you know, putting, golf, swing, uh, mental game, uh, you name it. We're just going to get out there and try to answer everybody's questions and just try to help everybody else kill time too. So it's uh, it's it's a it's, it's the new norm, as they say. Yeah. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about the idea of Instagram Live because you know for for everybody who is sort of holed up at home, we can't go out, we can't get on the golf course, can't get on the practice tee. What are some of the things, Keith, that we can do at home? And maybe go out in the backyard to, to kind of maybe do some short game stuff, maybe do some putting stuff. How can we kind of keep 
this whole our whole golf swing from getting you know all stale again now that we're in the house. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you what I've been telling all my students, and you know, I've been sending out little videos to them, and also like old articles that I had written for like Avid Golfer Mag in Atlanta, and I always tell everybody, look, I can work with what you have. I don't have to do a lot of changes. You have to have good contact. That's number one. So we can build a basic golf swing that can hit the ball up in the air every time, hit it solid the more you practice the, the you know pieces behind learning to hit it solid, which is hitting the ball first and then the ground. And then after that, you know, you can get around the course fairly well. But um, there's always going to be some sophistication added on to that. And that's the stuff nobody wants to work on. Like, you know, we get a lot of questions like, well, how wide should my stance be? Or, um, you know, what how, am I standing too far away from the ball? Or am I too close to the ball? So, you know, I have these little guides for people that I say, okay, look, if you want to know the ultimate, ultimate stance width for you based on your body build and size, it's really based on your shoe size. So I send them a little PF. Say, look, if you have, if you wear a size 10, then your heel width shouldn't be any wider than say 16 inches. And I don't know the exact number. I don't have it right in front of me, but I think that's pretty close because I wear a 10. So you, you could stick two T's in the ground, 16 inches apart. You can, um, you know, set a couple coins down if you're inside 16 inches apart. And all you, it's as simple as just walking into it, making sure your heels are where the coins are, adding a little tiny bit of foot flare and getting into your golf posture, standing up, walking away and stepping back in. Those are little pieces that are going to help you overall. For instance, if your stance width is too wide, you're going to have a hard time moving forward enough, fast enough, and you're also going to have a hard time rotating enough when the stance is too wide. So little things like that could really be beneficial to somebody that, you know, stalls the rotation too early in the swing and, and hits behind the ball too much because it dumps the club out too fast, dumps the lag out. You know, uh, things like that. We have a posture drill that's very specific. If you're standing straight up, legs straight, bend forward from the hips first, the very top of your kneecaps with the tip of your fingers, and then let your arms hang down. That's where the club goes. And all this is built based on stuff we got from KVS. Um, and it's all about uh, align structure of the alignment of the, of the joints of the body. So when the alignments are in place, and the, and the body's always going to seek out its inline condition. So if you have a bent arm and you swing a golf club, at some point that arm is going to straighten. It's going to be really, really hard to keep that arm bent throughout the whole swing. Now, you can do it if other things happen. You know, obviously we see it a lot with different players. But in order for your body to be the most balanced and the strongest, in order to swing that golf club 60, 70, 80, 90 miles an hour around your body, those things need to be, you know, in place because it's important for balance, strength, and you know be so little things like that um do a lot of putting stuff you know i use a blast motion um sensor and um but set up you know what we've done here is set up like a, a um a buddy of mine came over the other day and uh we putting game where we could start the ball anywhere in the house we wanted and we i have this little masters uh looks like an ashtray but it's a putting cup and I said, you put the putting cup anywhere you want. You can go under the chairs. You can go through the hall. You can start at the top of the stairs and go down. You can make any hole you want. And whoever gets the lowest score on the hole wins. So 
Um, little things like that. I mean, you know, we're just trying to be creative. <laughs> so I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, Keith. You talk about dance. Because one of the great tips that I saw a video that you put together uh, you know, on the Golf Channel's instruction sec- uh, uh, section was one of the things that you talk about for driver and set up for the driver is is a little unique from some of the other things that I think we're hearing a lot about. And, and it talks about, you, you talk about angle of attack with the driver and the ball position. We hear so right. much about, you know, try, trying to catch the ball on the upswing. So I, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about tee it high, and, and I, you even refer to this, tee it high to let it fly. You right. have a, a, a different approach to it. You want to tee it lower so that we can try to hit, make sure that we're hitting the golf ball in the center of the face. Talk about why that's the way to go. So, you know, I guess we're the first thing that I look at when I'm looking at somebody's ability to hit the ball far is, you know, I use TrackMan, so I want to know what their smash factor is with the driver. The tour average is 1.48. It's an algorithm that TrackMan uses that divides the club head speed into the ball speed. That's what gives, gives you the smash factor number. So if I've got somebody that's teeing the ball high or what I think might be too high and their smash is low. The first thing I do is spray the face with foot powder. I go like Dr. Schultz probably think I have like some kind of freaky fungus on my feet. <laughs> I walk in there and buy like six cans of Dr. Schultz foot powder. And the lady always looks at me kind of weird. I'm like, I'm a golf pro. We use it, spray the face with the golf club. She's like, yeah, right. Um, but you know, I spray the face. I want to see where that ball's hitting on the face. That's number one. Cause if, if the smash is low, I would bet a million dollars it's not very close to the center of the face. Um, and that could be from a vertical standpoint or a horizontal standpoint. It doesn't matter, right? But once I see that, um, most of the time with people that hit it high, I see a lot of marks on the top of their club head. Like, I see these guys with brand-new drivers hitting sky balls and putting these big marks on the top of their driver. And it just makes me cringe. I'm like, dude, lower the tee. But, um, you know, so I'll lower the tee. And I, I would say nine times out of ten, the smash factor goes up, the ball goes farther. So that's part of it. The other thing you're hearing a lot of people talk about is hitting up on the ball. So they think if they if they have a higher tee, they can hit up on the ball. But what we have to remember is our body's actually a machine. So you have an axis of rotation of the body, which is actually the center of the shoulders and center of the hips. The problem is we have a segment that runs from the center of the shoulders to the center of the shoulder. And the lead arm or the target side arm, when it's, in a, is the, when it's in a straight line, and the shaft of the golf club are the radius of the arc of the swing, not the center of the body. It's the lead shoulder. So the top of the swing would be the shoulder, and directly below or the bottom of the arc of the swing would be when the arm and shaft are in a straight line, and they're below the shoulder. They're in line with the shoulder. So if you think about how many degrees up people are hitting to control the spin of the ball. That's the other thing. That's, that's the point I was trying to make. The other thing is we want to control the spin of the ball so that we can hit it farther. It's going to carry farther. So, the, and by hitting up on the ball, one of the best, easiest ways to do is get the ball more forward in your stance. Get it closer to the low point. And if you look at a protractor and you say, okay, I want to hit five degrees up on this ball. So, if you look at a protractor and think about what five degrees is, like a lot of people think it's like six inches up, right? No, it's, it's six degrees up. So 
the closer we get it to the low point, the the more chance our club's going to come in at the ball, you know, closer to zero. And if we're staying behind the ball a little bit or we have some tilt to our spine, we're going to hit up on that ball a little bit more. So we don't need to have a high tee and we don't need to, you know, think about hitting, you know, six or seven inches up on the ball with a ball on a super high tee. We just have to have it in a better position in relation to the low point of the arc of the swing. And if the tee's lower, we're going to hit it at least on a vertical level more in the center, maybe not on a horizontal level, but definitely on a vertical level level uh, vertical um axis closer to the center of the face i don't know if that makes sense so yeah it does but i i guess where I, and i'm trying to you know walk with you through it and, and visually understand because when you say at the bottom right when i think about at the bottom of the swing and, I, and I'm, I'm more thinking in my head like irons and you know we're trying to hit down on the golf ball and the bottom of the swing is is a little bit beyond where the ball is laying, right? The ball is lying, right? Correct. So we hit down on the that's ball. Correct. The divot is after the ball. So I'm, so, yeah, I'm sort of thinking the same thing down, from a right? driver perspective. Yeah. How, but yeah. explain to me, like, what am I thinking about with, with respect to the driver? Cause I'm not thinking I'm hitting down on the ball for the driver. So this is what I, this is what I see with students is when they make a practice swing, they can't skim the ground with the driver or they just don't. Right. So what I would tell you is tee up the ball, get it close to the to the shoulder. Not I don't care too much about the way where it is in your stance as long as it's close to your shoulder. But I do care about stance width, and I prefer it to be closer to the front foot. But but for instance, what I would do is try to make some swings that skim the ground to where the ball is. You can't be bottoming out behind the ball like like where you would actually bottom out with an iron, right? Because you're trying to think about a baseball uh, player when you got a when you're learning to hit a ball. What does the uh, coach always tell you? You have to meet the ball, right? If you get there a little late, the ball goes to the right. It's a foul ball. If you get there a little early, you're going to pull it down the third baseline, right? You're just trying to meet the ball. So when you when you've got the ball forward close to your shoulder and you're making some practice swings, you just want to get in a habit of just slightly skimming the ground. But you want to be paying attention to where that skim is, just like a divot. When you're learning to hit irons better, you're working on making a divot in front of where the ball is, not behind the ball. So when you're working with the driver, you want to be trying to skim as close to where that ball position is that you can, so that when you get to the ball, you're either coming in at zero degrees or you're starting to hit up a little bit on it to help control the spin. One of the things I was asking my... I was asking my previous guest, uh, Kevin Roman, about is since we all sort of are, you know, trapped in our homes. One of the things that I thought, well, you know what, I'd kind of like to get a net for my backyard, right? Get a little, maybe a little patch of uh, of uh, artificial turf for for the patio. Get a net and just you know start swinging and hitting shots into that. The thing that I've always been afraid of, though, Keith, is that it's going to ingrain you know, a bad swing or a bad swing plane since I can't really follow the flight of the golf ball for more than, you know, 10 feet or so until it's maxed into the net. What's your thought on that? Is that a good training aid or a bad thing to do? I would say it's probably a good thing to do. Um, And what I would be more worried about is contact. So if you're, if you're hitting irons into the net, you know, there's a lot of drills out there. I did one on the golf channel called the towel drill, set a towel down, down, and try to make sure you're making swings with your irons 
that are missing the towel and hitting the grass, though, right? You can't just miss the towel, otherwise you pop the ball. You have to still hit the grass or the, you know, the mat. Um, a lot of times I just draw a line on our mats with that foot powder and make players make practice swings that are bottoming out past the line. They can't bottom out behind the line. So you could pay more attention to that, not worry so much about your swing. And, and I'd like to talk about that if we have a minute, too. We did a big mental sure. school, uh, mental class at my academy over the summer, um, Joe Bosco and I. We'll get more into that. But go back to your question, you know, put a towel down. Try to miss the towel. If you got a driver, spray the face with the driver. Try to make sure you're hitting it in the center. Those things would be way more valuable than technique, for instance. Like, especially if you've got, you know, some kind of developed swing where you actually play, you can hit the ball up in the air. You just like to hit it farther and straight, right? So you can look at the the straightness. Of, so the other thing would be uh, put a, uh, put a, like an old sheet, like tear off a strip of an old sheet and lace it in and out of the net so it's right in the middle. So then you can see if your balls are starting left of that or right of that. And what you have to understand about that is that's controlled by the club face, right? So, you know, it's frustrating sometimes when I hear these announcers and broadcasters go, oh, man, he really got over the top of that one, right? When really, if you look at track, man, he's probably inside out two or three degrees, but he has a three or four degrees closed face. And that's why the ball started to the left. And it probably curved left at that point as well. So those are the things you can practice. Like if you're if you're at home and you have a net and, a, and a, some kind of a place to hit balls off of, a, a mat, you want to work on where the club's bottoming out with the iron and with the driver. And, and also with the driver, you just want to spray the face and see where the ball's hitting the face, right? Is it towards the toe? Is it towards the heel? Is it too high? Is it too low? If it's too low, you're probably coming in off the ground. If it's too high, you're probably coming in close to the ground, but the ball's too high, right? So I think um, those are more powerful things to practice when you can't get out than anything else. And if you have a, a line that's lined up with where your key is or where you're hitting iron from straight up and down in your net, you can see if the ball goes left or right. All right. So. Let's get back to what you were, what you mentioned a moment ago, mental <laughs> side of the game, because that's one of the things we I'll talk a lot you. about on this show. Talk about what you were doing. So I'm going to start with with uh, uh, a quote by Albert Einstein. Quote was, "Once you stop learning, you start dying." Right. So as all of us professionals out there that are learning to continue to excel as instructors. And help players get better. We have, you know, there might be a lot of things that people might not, other instructors might not believe in what I say. Like when I did when I did the low T on the golf channel, everybody's like, "Wait, what? What's he doing? What's he talking about here?" But they just let me roll with it. <laughs> and it goes back to the fact that I'm not for everybody. Ledbetter's not for everybody. Uh, you know, so and so's not for everybody. There's somebody out there for everybody. I might not be for you, but I might be for a hundred other people. Like maybe I help them in different ways. So if you just pigeonhole me into that, oh, he just likes everybody to see the ball up low, then you know you might not come to me. You might not get the help that I potentially that I provide in other ways. Not just maybe maybe you hit driver okay, and maybe we don't need to adjust the team. Um, but anyway, back to the 
um, if you when you stop learning, start dying. Uh, Joe Bosco and I, I don't know if you know Joe, he, he was out of Chicago. I think he's, he might be in uh, Charleston, I think, now. I haven't talked to him in a couple of weeks. But Joe and I did um, some a uh, couple of mental schools together at my academy over the summer. And we had we did them back-to-back on weekends. He came up here, stayed with me for about a month or so. And I knew all this stuff. I, I've been, I, I read the books. I went through the certification. But I, I wasn't really comfortable using it in a real-world environment. So I have two focus bands. I know how they work. I, I know what it's all about. But to do it in the real environment was a little bit different. Um, you know, I didn't feel confident enough to do it at the time. So I brought Joe in because I learned most of this from him. Um, gosh, it had to be, I'd say, at least it had to be at least 10 years ago, maybe longer. I, went, I flew up to Chicago. He did a, he did a playing lesson school for coaches. Right. So that's how I got involved with some of this stuff. Um, and the classes we did over the two weekends, we had, I think we had maybe three or four in the first one and then two or three in the second one. You know, that was kind of short notice kind of thing. But we did get some of my students to sign up, come through um, the basics of fluid motion factor and how focus band works to quiet the mind. and. Everybody that went through the class within two weeks shot their lowest score ever of their life. Wow. And this is without any kind of mechanical information at all. We, you know, maybe if they, if they, you know, I don't even remember us talking about their content. I just remember letting them swing, taking them through this program and letting them fly. And it, I tell you, it was the most incredible thing. And that goes back to the quote, right? It's when you stop learning, you start dying. It's like, we have to keep learning. We have to keep trying to get better. And some of this stuff, like, I've spent a lot of this time going through my old certifications, trying to remember little bits of information that maybe I forgot about or, you know, um, different things like that. But, for instance, Chris, you probably hit the best, some of the best drives you've ever hit at some point. Would you agree to that? Yeah. Could you pick one one particular one that that's most recent, or maybe not most recent, the best drive you ever hit. Can you remember that? Yeah, I can, as a matter of fact. Can you can you remember where you were, what course? Yes. Can you remember the hole? I can. Can you remember who you played with? I can. Can you remember what the weather was like? Yes. Okay. So all that stuff that we just talked about, and I could take you further into that, so basically what I'm trying to do is get you into state, okay, mental, uh, mental state, because our brain is like a supercomputer. It never forgets the good or the bad, and it's all stored in the solar cerebellum in the basal ganglia. So all your you've ever swung are stored in the basal ganglia, and what happens is when you, when you go to the golf course and you say go to warm up and you saw a swing tip and you go, okay, yeah, I want to keep my left arm straight you know, through the swing or whatever, whatever it is, as soon as that happens, the prefrontal cortex of your brain is interrupting the signal from the brain to the motor system. Okay. So normally you just say, Hey, I'm going to pull out a driver here and hit it over there at that tree and you just do it. But then you, then you remember that, or maybe you do it a couple of times and not going where you want it. So you go, Oh, I remember I got to, you know, um, 
not swing so far back, or whatever the case may be. So as soon as that happens, because the prefrontal cortex is the CEO of the brain, you get on that checklist, right? And the funny thing is, that might work for a week, but then you go back out the next week, and and um, it doesn't work as well. And then the third week, it doesn't work at all, right? And that's because the the CEO of the brain is trying to put you on the checklist, one, two, three, four, five. Whereas if you could just go right to flow state, you could produce that more off anytime you want, really. So part of it is learning to quiet the mind, quiet the prefrontal cortex, so it's not getting in the way of the signal um, from the brain to the motor system to hit a golf ball where you want it to go. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot more detailed than that, but basically we put focus band on you. Focus band is like a little band you wear around your head, and it, it um, tracks your brain waves. And there's several apps. So we can see when your brain's really um, active and in the prefrontal cortex. So it's a very analytical side of the brain. You're thinking about, oh, man, I forgot my wife told me I got to pick up some milk on the way home. Or, you know, doggone, my, my daughter got you know, straight A's on her math test. That's so awesome. But you're out there trying to make golf, right? So it doesn't have to be golf interference. It could be any kind of interference. And then so we can teach you some breathing techniques to teach you to learn to quiet the mind and then get into the fluid motion factor. And there's other pieces. What I call it is the mental pre-shot routine approach to the ball. So you start from behind the ball, quieting the mind, and we can see whether or not it's quiet. So they have a state called the mushin state. I'm sure you probably talked about this with other guys. So mushin is a Japanese term that means mind without the mind. That's when you're in the flow state. The mind's always working all the time, like sleeping, not sleeping, whatever. It's always on, you know, full alert. So what we have to learn to do, if we want to use the skills we already own, and that goes in you through that whole driver sequence, remember the perfect drive, remember who you were with, remember what the weather was like. That's just putting you back in state, and that helps you pull from the basal ganglia easier than if you just got up and and the weather wasn't that, or you didn't have a good warm up, or whatever the case may be. So, um, distracting the analytical mind um, is a big part of being able to uh, be able to perform and get in the motion state or quiet eye. You know, um, another great book that talks a little bit about that in a different way is a um, what was that guy's name? Timothy Galloway. He wrote a tennis book first. And then he converted a lot of the drills from tennis to golf. It's called the inner game of golf. That's another good one. But fluid motion factor, like, guys, get the book, like, read it, start to process it. You know, we do a lot of online coaching here. You know, we can, we can set up some stuff to help you kind of learn to get through it. And it's like anything else. If you're trying to make a swing change where you, let's just say you want the club more around and not so up and down. You have to work on that. Nobody works on their routine approach to the ball. And if you can implement the mental routine approach to the ball, it's something that you have to learn. And there's, and, and it's, what is, uh, what does Steve Yellen say? He says, it's a patternless pattern, right? So you can't go, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do it three times before I get to the ball. So maybe you try that and it works and you go. And so you're like, okay, I'm just going to do that every time because it works. No, because then you're back in the prefrontal cortex trying to systemize the system and it's a pattern with pattern so there is no pattern to it but there is a way to quiet the mind and help you learn to pull the best shots that you've ever hit in your life 
out of what's already inside of you. They're already in there. They're stored in there. You can't, you couldn't delete them if you wanted to, unless you had a frontal lobotomy or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Went off on a thing there, but it's powerful, man. And the mind is, is a very powerful thing. You started to get my mind going as you were saying all of those things. Yeah. How does how do you quiet your mind to a point where, I mean, we develop a pre-shot routine, right? It's, it's the same thing every time. It's repeatable. It sounds like what you're saying, some of that may not be a good thing because then we start to get into the repeatable pattern. Is that, is well, that good or bad? Pieces are probably okay. But remember that if you're thinking about those things, then you're, then you're in the prefrontal cortex, right? So you're better, you know, you know what your pre-shot routine is. You don't have to go, okay, stand behind the ball. I'm going to take three breaths. I'm going to put the grip of the club in my left hand, and I'm going to start to walk to the ball. And then I'm going to stand on the side, make two practice swings. Then I'm going to put my right hand on, aim. You know, that's like systematic prefrontal cortex uh, routine approach to the ball. The mental routine approach to the ball would be stand behind the ball, start to calm your mind with the breathing technique, pick out your target, distract the mind as you walk up to the ball, look back at the target more than you look at the ball. I see so many people, when they get up to the ball, they look at the ball more than they look at where they want to hit it. How can they ever expect to hit it at the br- where they want if the brain doesn't know where they're trying to hit it? The brain is what controls everything you do. It controls every movement of your hand, your foot, your leg. Think about what it controls, like, in real time. Your breathing, your heartbeat, your everything, right? So if you let the brain do what it's supposed to do, if you can if you can work your way into that situation where you're in flow state, where you're not thinking about anything, and, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's a little hard at first. And you think, oh, crap, this isn't working. Like, I've had, I've had several players go, I just can't do that. I just can't do this. It's just too hard. And then, for some reason, they just try it again on their own, like at the range one day. And they'll come back and go, hey, man, I, I was at the range, and I, I did the, you know, I did the nines, and then um, I went out on the course, and I shot my best front nine ever. I'm like, that's just how it works. You know what I mean? It's almost like there's a method to the madness, but there's no method to the madness. It goes back to being a patternless pattern. <laughs> All right, so uh, mention the name of the book again. So there's there's a couple good books. If you want if you want an easier to get along with book, probably a good place to start. There's there's a couple great books. One would be um, Quantum Golf, and it's a very very easy re- short read, and it's not a mechanical thing. It's a metaphysical kind of Quantum Golf's a good one. The Inner Game of Golf by Timothy Galloway is another good one. You can get all these on Amazon. Um, but the ones that I work with the most are um, Fluid Motion Factor by Steve Yellen. And he did a lot of speaking at our proponent group summit, right? So he'd come and do his presentation. And, you know, I, I think that's how I, you know, maybe I met Joe before I met Steve. Um, yeah, I think I met Joe before I met Steve. That's how I found out about Steve. And then Steve ended up being a guest speaker at our proponent group summit. <clears throat> so, um yeah, fluid motion factor. If you can find anybody that knows anything about focus bands um, or just knows a little bit more about how to calm the mind down, it's better to do it with focus band because then the student can see and you can see. Like I have a, I, if you look at my Instagram, you'll see some of the focus band stuff I did where 
you could see their their brains red. Like I'm filming them in the app, and you could see their their uh, brain is on the red side. Then they start to breathe. It goes on the green side, and sometimes it goes red when they walk up to the ball. When they get better at it, it stays green. And then you'll see the little arrow come out from the center of their forehead. We call that the quiet eye, right? When you get that, then you're ready to pull the trigger. Anytime you can be in motion where the brain's green, or you can be in quiet eye, that's the time to pull the trigger. Because think about think about drives that you hit or irons that you hit that you thought were crappy, and it ended up like six feet from the hole, and you go, "Crap, I got away with that one." Right? That's when your brain was right. in flow state, and it was working in real time to adjust every little tiny thing it had to adjust to get that ball to go where you wanted it to go, right? It wasn't wow. a miracle. The brain did it. So, Keith, let, let our <laughs> listeners know, how can they, first of all, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Talk about your website and talk about uh, how they can follow you on social media. Yeah, so we got KeithJarvisGolf.com, and you got Keith at KeithJarvisGolf for email. And my Twitter and Instagram are both Keith Jarvis Golf. And you're doing the Instagram live tomorrow? We're doing it live tomorrow. I'm not quite sure what time yet. Um, so I got Dr. John Gold, who's um, our Titleist Performance Institute certified chiropractor. I'm Titleist Performance Institute certified. Um, and he's going to come over and we're going to do it together because I want him to be, you know, answer questions more on the body side. I'm going to do questions more on the swing side, maybe a little bit of mental stuff. Um, we'll probably demonstrate, like I have KVS, we have focus bands here. I've got my whole man cave kind of set up tomorrow for a, for a little thing. So it's going to be pretty cool. I hope we'll see how many people are interested. It should be fun though. No doubt. And very informative. Keith, yeah, we'll, I, I we'll can't thank you enough. Everything you, everything tomorrow. you shared tonight is phenomenal. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I appreciate that, man. I feel like I kind of stumbled the first time you had me on, but, um, you know, one thing I learned, like when I went to the Golf Channel Studios to film all my videos for the for the uh, for the website and stuff, they told me to give them like ten things that I wanted to do um, a video on, but they told me not to think anything about it. Like it was literally, what are you going to talk about on this video? I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about um, hitting the ball far with driver. They're like, okay, five, four, three, two, one, go. I'm like, wait, wait, I'm not ready. They're like, no, go. And it, you just fly by the seat of your pants. And sometimes stuff comes out better when you do it that way than when you're trying to be a little too scripted. You know, I just want it to be real authentic and just, you know, so people get a feel of my passion, right? It's all about that. That's right. And you don't overthink it that way. So, yeah, I, I love that approach. Ready? Go. Love that. Keith, thank you so much for your time. You're yeah. awesome, my friend. I, I, I hope no, you'll come back you and join it. me I'm again so soon. Anytime you want, Chris. Thank you so much. So I'm so happy to be on. Okay. All the best to you and your family. You guys stay safe up there, and we, I look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Same to you and all your listeners. Take care, Keith. Have a great night, guys. That's a great Keith Jarvis. J-A-R-V-I-S is the spelling of his last name. And, and check Keith, Gar- Keith Jarvis Golf out there online and, and on social media. I'll I tell you what, uh, so much great content there, folks. First of all, I can't wait to check out the Instagram live show. So this show is live, and you, we're coming to you live tonight on, on March the 24th. Uh, if you happen to be listening to this show as a podcast later, uh, obviously, Keith will be doing this on the 25th. So 
go check out his Instagram page and, and, and look for the March 25th time frame and uh, look at all this great stuff that uh, he's going to be putting out of this content on that uh, Instagram live show. And then check him out. I mean, so many great things. He's got a lot of great videos out there on the golf channel. So look under the instruction section for those things and just all over his social media pages and his website, a lot of great content there. And I, the brain stuff is, is very intriguing to me, folks. I mean, you hear it all the time, right? Bobby Jones talking about how the, the game is played in the five inch space between our ears. You get the, your brain to calm down and you, and you let the stress and, and everything go and just swing and just play for the sheer enjoyment of it. You hear uh, Mitch Lawrence talking about that when he comes on the show about the just going out there with the chicories and the sheer enjoyment and love of the game. But you quiet your brain down and let your, instead of getting in your, in your own way and let your body go, boy, just, just think about what we could do. So I'm very intrigued to, to check out that video and to do that myself because I, I get in my own way a lot of times. So Keith's fantastic, and uh, we'll look to get him back on the show again real soon. All right, folks, time to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks go out to Kevin Roman and Keith Jarvis for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetee.net. On there, you'll be able to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like, who we've got set to join us. Plus, we also link back to our page over on podcast.co, so you'll be able to stream or download any of our archive episodes from free for free on there. Plus, uh, you can find us all over the net. you got a great uh, a, a favorite podcasting site, you're going to be able to find us. We're on Podbean, Launchpad DM, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Audio Boom, Player.fm. We're everywhere. So just uh, check out Next on the T. You can do a search on your favorite podcasting sites. You're going to find us. Or like I say, just go to our website, nextonthetea.net. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show tonight and making us a part of your golfing content. We really appreciate you so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friend.